things we thought we knew. We thought we knew that toilet paper was always for sale. We thought we knew that 90% of human communication and connection couldn't be streamed. We thought we knew that justice within our hierarchies of race would progress on its own. We thought we knew that we could isolate ourselves from the rest of the world untouched. We thought we knew that life just unfolds uninterrupted. We thought we knew. About a year ago, as the shelter in place was about two months old and we thought we had about two months left <laughs> and we were reeling from the murder of George Floyd I wondered in a sermon about the metaphor of the butterfly's cocoon I wondered about the caterpillar after entering the cocoon and before it emerges as a butterfly how it is that it first transforms into, well, goo. Unrecognizable from what it was and waiting for what it will be. We were in that space and we did not know what would come next. What I remember from the feelings of those days were the shock and the dread, the discomfort, the fear, and sometimes even a hope. The question that we were asking, that we are asking, is what do you do when life as you know it becomes radically, drastically different? Those intrepid disciples, well, they thought they knew too. In that upper room, they thought they knew who would be the next to leave them. But really, only Jesus knew what would take place next. And then, after the glorious impossible, still in that upper room, while waiting for what would come next, they had an experience that was so far beyond what they knew. This explosion of sight and sound, of mind and heart, of knowing and unknowing, that what they had known before could no longer describe where they were now. And they had to decide what they were going to do in a world that was suddenly different from the world they thought they knew. It's my sense that we are just starting to move into a time and a space in this pandemic where we can begin to recollect and to reflect. For so long, we've just been surviving from one tier to the next, from one week to the next, from one day to the next, from one breath to the next. 
but now with fewer cases and an increase in vaccinations and as reopening and regatherings are growing, some have been wondering, what are we supposed to do now that so much has changed? I've been wondering, I've been wondering how much of what I have known as a partner, as a parent, as a priest, how much of what I've known and maybe even depended upon, how much of that is just gone? How much of what I have known is going to be the same? What do I want to be the same? What do I need to let go of? And I've especially been wondering about this with church. Because we've done things in this past year that I never dreamed of doing and frankly never wanted to do. And I've learned that church can at once be both the same and utterly new. The same as in people opening up their hearts, finding comfort in familiar words, and encountering it in entirely new ways. And in this sameness and in this newness, I have been reminded that it is actually really easy for me to mistake the container of church for the connection with God. And that the container that we care so much about, the, the building with the stained glass, the music built of poetry and harmony, the taste of bread, the scent of candles, this container that we call church is both fragile and priceless. And that in this moment we are in of great change, we get to choose, we have to choose what we will carry forward and what we will leave behind. And friends, I find that frightening and exhilarating. And don't you think that's some of what the disciples were wrestling with, were feeling that day in Jerusalem? Because what they were experiencing was as much continuing truth as it was surprising revelation. These divided tongues as of fire, the deafening roar of the tempest in their ears were signals that what they thought they knew was about to change. And yes, many of these were familiar truths, right? Prophetic visions, the transcendent presence of God, the formation of community. That was the same. And yet at the same time, Many biblical scholars believe that what was new was that this way of knowing the divine, this spirit, was not just for some. It was for all. This spirit transcended the binaries of age and gender and power and tribe and people. This experience of spirit encompassed all, and that reality of that embrace changed everything. But we have um, evidence that immediate acceptance of this change was not the disciples' first response. 
This morning we heard from the Acts of the Apostles this account of how this spirit unfolds. And the book is shot through with repeated encounters of those who have held power, those who have depended upon the way that things are, being forced to encounter the radical outpouring of spirit. And it was messy. And it was hard. Whether it was the conversion of Paul or the Ethiopian eunuch asking for baptism or Peter receiving the vision that Gentiles are within the fold, it was hard for these early Christ followers to allow for this different way of being. And this I get. Because in this last year of being forced to live life differently, I have felt in my body, I have seen in people around me that a different way of understanding the world, a different way of being asked to live in this world, sometimes feels like a threat. So often when change is thrust upon us, when difference is thrust upon us, it feels like we are going to lose everything that's important to us. Our identity, the fabric that upholds our world, feels like it, it's tearing at the seams. And often our response is to refuse this at any cost. But the courage of these disciples shows us another way. It happens later in this chapter we heard from Acts. After Peter has finished his sermon, Many of those gathered that day, the, the text tells us they were cut to the heart. And they asked Peter what they could do. Can you imagine this? That when they were confronted with difference of language, of practice, of people, indifference, they saw an invitation to communion. What if difference, rather than meaning annihilation or conversion, what if difference was actually an invitation into conversation and connection? And what if the Spirit, what if God was in the midst of it? Now I realize that when we engage this difference, we learn things about ourselves and God that we did not know, that other people teach us. And as many who have taken part in the sacred ground curriculum in this past year can tell you, sometimes this knowledge is painful. But within this truth lies a deeper, more real communion than we currently realize. What might this invitation to communion be for you? Where in your life is a different way of being or seeing or living calling you up short? Where are we as a community, as a people, where are we being drawn through difference into truer communion? Friends, I don't need to tell you that our lives collectively, intimately have been tossed asunder in this past year. And now, as we begin to emerge from our cocoons, now is the time 
we choose how we are going to live into this newness. But this we can trust, that the Spirit is here among us, within us, ahead of us. The doors have been blown open. The Spirit is on the loose. How will we accept their invitation to communion once more?